I believe that together we can make America great again. There it is. There it is. There it is. The sexiest groove in podcasting. Yeah. A vote has been taken <laughs> in this room anyway. Yeah. And uh, it was a unanimous decision. Uh, good afternoon. Good morning. Anyway, uh, name of the podcast is called Everybody Calm Down. Chill out. Relax. You live in the greatest country in the world. The best time there's ever been to be here. It's never been more tolerant. It's never been more inclusive than it is right now. I agree with that. And Barack Obama would not lie to you. No, that's a former president talking right there. Big day in the show. Dean Imperial is going to join us. He, of course, a writer for Imposters on Netflix. Why is he on today, Sean Barry? Because he's a member of the WGA, the Writers Guild. They're on strike right now. They're in a fight with the studios and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean he doesn't go to the movies. And he went and saw The Joker which is, is pertinent to the conversation because I took, being the fabulous father that I am, I took Lincoln to his first rated R movie this past weekend. We went to see The Joker. He wanted to see The Joker. That's awesome. It was. I was actually way into it. I don't remember my first uh, rated R movie, but we'll get Dean's take on what this says about me as a parent. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I remember uh, seeing Cobra in the movie. Stallone theater. Cobra? Yeah, if you do like the math on that, I think it came out in like 86. Yeah, so that makes about me 10. Like, that makes me about 8, actually. One of the great Oscar snubs yeah. of all time, I believe, was Cobra. But that was a really brutal movie, but I remember it not being a big deal to me. Like, I wasn't freaked out by any of the It's weird, because sometimes you could stuff. watch a movie and you're like, yeah, this is fake. So it's actually not that big of a deal? Yeah, it was a movie. It's fun. And he just drank it in. I... I think the person he stabbed at school today was completely unrelated. I don't think there was any correlation between him consuming the violence and doing that, but we'll get into it yeah. uh, on the show today. And a couple of headlines to get into in the world of politics, but we begin today on this apolitical show where we don't care. We just don't care. I'm the head writer for the Kennedy show on Fox Business. It's a libertarian show is what she's doing. She's had the genius idea of let's cater to 0.001% of the population. <laughs> it's a genius marketing move. But the ratings are going great because, oddly enough, people need escapism. They're tired of the culture war. They're tired of the partisan infighting where you can have anything happen in the news and half the country is willing to blame Republicans, the other half is willing to blame Democrats. It's a great show. It is. It's the best show ever. Best written show in cable news for awesome. my money. Yep. And I, of course, the head writer for that show. You can see me on it tomorrow night, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But if you're looking for some Jimmy Fallon on TV today, Sean Barry, I will be making my debut on America's Newsroom with Ooh. Bill Hemmer and Sandra Smith on the Fox News Channel this morning at 11.30 a.m. So let's uh, let's get through that first before we just assume I'm going to be welcome on Kennedy's show Wednesday night. I mean, that's still a steep hurdle to get over is me slanging jokes at 11.30 in the morning. That could go all kinds of wrong. You know what I'm saying? Barry, that's it. We're suing. You know what I mean? Something like that could happen. But we're fired up today on this apolitical show. We don't care if you're Republican. We don't care if you're Democrat. Just don't be an asshole. That's all we ever say. That's it. Be whatever you want. Pro-gun, pro-choice, anti-gun, whatever it is. Just be cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I, I begin by saluting people who were cool uh, yesterday. This didn't get enough press in the news. But the Washington Nationals, the World Series champion Washington Nationals, went to the White House. Oh. And uh, they visited with the president, which I think everyone, everyone who wins a championship that gets the, the White House invite, I think they should go. The reason I think they should go, Sean, is because I think the presidential visit has become part of the fabric of this country. And I think when it gets politicized, you know, it tears at the common culture that we have holding us together, meaning sports has always been 
like women and children in the mafia. You know, and like the mafia, women and children are off limits. Mm. Well, in divisive political times, yeah, there have been athletes who've spoken out. Certainly Muhammad Ali spoke out, you know, against the Vietnam War mm. and was stripped of his title. So it's yeah. not to say there haven't been times uh, for speaking out. Uh, but the majority of the time I've known sports in my life, they've been like a uh, common culture where people who didn't agree politically still had this thing to go do where they watched football or they watched basketball. Right, they got a break. So, yeah, so I want to see everybody getting along. I want to see the politics outside of sports. I'm not trying to deny the athletes their platform so much as I'm just trying to give the country some badly needed escapism because po politics has infiltrated every aspect of our lives. You, you can't even open a cover of Teen Vogue anymore. Time was I could go to Teen Vogue and just enjoy the journalism you know, read about Kegel exercises and <laughs> tips to keep a man. And now I've got to read about, you know, primaries and who we're voting for and stuff like that. But even on the other side of that, though, that's like probably one of the easiest ways to you just, you know, I don't know, protest, whatever you want to call it. But just to get that invite and be like, nah, 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 go. <laughs> I can't. I just can't imagine like who would turn down an opportunity well, just to go into the Oval Office and be at the same desk as. Abe Lincoln and Monica Lewinsky. I mean, there's a lot of history there. You know what I mean? That's true. You get to be, you know, you get to sit there and see where all of it went down. And uh, I would want to be there. I'd want to be a part of that history. So I applaud the Nationals for going. I applaud their their catcher, Kurt Suzuki, uh, who wore a MAGA hat, got a big hug from the president well, and yeah. said, thank you. know, thanks to the president, keeping us safe. Everything's going good in the country. Now, I know a lot of people might not agree with that, but statistics support Kurt Suzuki. Never been more tolerant, inclusive. We never had more upward mobility in our economy. It's not a bad time to be here. Is it a divisive time? Yes, it is, Sean Barry. Mm. But if we get a couple more teams like the Washington Nationals, I think it might be, you know, we might see some unity. Maybe everybody could just get along. <laughs> Trump had a funny line, by the way, because well, he was like, you know, he, it. and it's not that he's the kind of guy to exaggerate. <laughs> but he's like, America's fell in love with Nats baseball. That's mm -hmm. what he said. He goes, it's all anybody in Washington wants to talk about. He goes, well, that and impeachment. <laughs> Pretty funny, though. That is funny. <laughs> At least he was honest about it. Yeah. You know, it really is because, like, we always joke that he is Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack and that he's gotten into the nice country club and he's pissing off all the elites. Yeah. But I think it's finally dawned on him. Like, we've always known this. And he's always, you know, he campaigned on Drain the Swamp, but I don't know how drained it got. I mean, if anything, I think he brought his own liquid down with him. He did. Yeah. He drained it, yeah. but he refilled it. Right. You know, hose, got all these shady Ukrainians hanging out in his hotel with yeah. Rudy Giuliani in broad daylight. Opened some fire hydrants. Yeah, he know. opened a few fire hydrants. They're having a nice time. <laughs> They're having a nice time. But I think it's finally dawned on him, like, just how marked for death he is politically in that town. Mm. And he very well may survive, survive it. I mean, we've watched this in his presidency a hundred times. We've watched the end of Trump come and go. Um, it is always Batman, you know, when, when you used to watch old school Batman on TV, he'd be like strapped to a wheel. They'd be going to commercial mm -hmm. and we'd be like, I don't know how he's going to get out of this one, you know, <laughs> and then you come back in commercial and you're like, by God, he's loose again. <laughs> and that's been the Trump presidency. It's been like old school Batman. So uh, today, Batman had a good day, um, got together with uh, the Nationals, the championship Nationals, who had a banner ticker tape parade on Saturday, oddly enough. Uh, the politicians in D.C., the ticker tape parade's been over for two days. They're still throwing ticker tape. They're still shredding documents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, do you think anybody's going to notice? They're shredding all kinds of action right now because they needed an excuse. This is our chance. Yeah, they're all kind of, they're shredding all kinds of things. And uh, the Nats are, you know, taking a jubilant victory lap. And we're excited for them. The franchise never won a title before. Right. You know, fans got a little rowdy. 
You know, when they say, like, act like you've been there before, they don't mean rehab, but uh, <laughs> the fans seem to think they did, and that's fine. Live it up. I mean, what do you have to celebrate in D.C.? I mean... They literally haven't been there before. Yeah, so, they have um, never been there before. So the first one's okay. And okay, it's like, yeah, yeah they're like, the last time they won, the last time they won, it wasn't this team. Right. This team is the Montreal Expos. Mm-hmm. That's who they are. They moved here from Montreal, and they finally won a title. So this is as much a win for Expos fans, even though it didn't happen on their turf. It's like the funniest thing in the world. It's the Cleveland Browns. The franchise itself, the cursed Cleveland Browns franchise, moved to Baltimore in the 90s and won two Super Bowls as the Ravens. And they were the Cleveland Browns with Browns players, Browns personnel. Many guys, in fact, drafted by the Browns. The team was owned by Art Modell, the guy who owned the Browns forever before they became the Ravens. So in a weird way that that franchise kind of did find a championship, um, but then this new Browns thing, which was a startup, it was like an expansion team, has just been garbage from day one. Mm. They've had nothing. But their Ravens did win a Super Bowl, oddly enough, against my Giants, coached by Jim Fossil, a guy that I'm interviewing today on the Blue Rush podcast That's for the sweet. New York Post. Awesome. The New York Giants, New York Post football podcast, because... That's a nice, clean, easy morsel to yeah. spit out. Sounds like you guys have a lot to talk about. I, I Really, me and Fossil. Apparently, he hates the owner, and they said if you bring up the owner, he's just going to go to town. Ooh. It's like a trick they do. You know there are like people at parties? I believe Hillary Clinton's become one of these people with the 2016 election. Like people who don't know them. You can play a joke on your friends, be like, go up to that lady, ask her about the election, and your friend doesn't know, and now she's <laughs> rambling on for seven days. Apparently, that's Jim Fossil at parties. They're like, go up to Fossil, ask him about Tim Mara, and he'll just go for like days and days. So I'm not even turning my mic on. I'm just running down to the New York Post after this. I'm going to say hello to Fossil, shut down my mic, and let him rip. Uh, Dean Imperial is on the Mictor's voice line. He is fired up. He will weigh in on all things 2020 because we've got some polls out today showing Hillary Clinton pulling even with Donald Trump. In a hypothetical matchup, I don't know. I think the people's pantsuits coming out of the locker room, <laughs> WWE style, swinging a steel chair. And by God, I hope so. I say it every day. He'll also weigh in on uh, the Joker. We have to talk about the Joker. He's mm. a star screenwriter. He's a big swinging dick in Hollywood. I agree. He's going to have a take, and we're going to share it with you when we come back on Everybody Calm Down. <laughs> Okay, as you know, we're here to find a cool way to launch Hillary's next presidential campaign. Now, she needs something flashy that takes the spotlight off President Trump. Um, This is going to sound a little crazy, but what if we did something, you know, really out there and had a wet t-shirt contest? (laughs) Who gave you that idea? Bill? Yeah, actually. We need something that makes her sound exciting. Okay, what if we hired comedians to write a, a funny newsletter that we mailed out every morning? No good. We tried that last time, but Hillary deleted all the emails. Nobody ever got them. What if we did a cooking segment with her and Chelsea? After all the time she got accused of cooking the books? Are you nuts? Uh-huh. Might as well bring back Jeffrey Epstein at this point. I hear he's a really good hang. <laughs> Come on, you two. Think. Who are some of her old friends that could talk about how awesome she is? Uh, Most of the people they did business with are dead, boss. (sighs) Give me the phone. Whoa, what are you... Billy Clinton. Yeah, Bill. So about this wet t-shirt contest you want to have. Do it. (laughs) 
think that bit had a lot of heart. I think the one voiceover guy was great, <laughs> but it really, it really didn't get over the top for me. It was like the concept was there, but uh, now's no time for participation trophies. We're keeping real score today. This is a grown-up podcast. Joining us now on the Mictor's Voice Line, a star writer for Imposters on Netflix. Uh, he just had a reading of his new play that seems to have gone over pretty well. That's exciting. Uh, and he joins us now on the Mictor's Voice Line to, in the Kiss and Cry Room. This is like gymnastics where you're done performing. <laughs> and now the Hungarian guy in the tracksuit who molested you on your birthdays. Yeah. You, you sit with us and see the scores. Dean Imperial on the Mictor's Voice Line. Crowd goes yeah. crazy. Good to see you. How's my little what's gymnast? Up? Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. What's going on, girl? What's going on? How is what's all right? So your reading went good. Everybody's talking. People are excited. Frankly, people are talking. Uh, are they? <laughs> tell me, some people are talking. <laughs> I ran into some people on the street. I'm not going to name names today. Mutual friends of ours. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, did you go to Dean's thing? And I was like, no. Oh, yeah? I, yeah. I, you know, they'd go to Dean's thing. And I was like, no, I didn't make it to Dean's thing. But I hear it was very well received. What was yeah. the play? Tell me about the play real quick. Come on, man. Don't be shy. Oh, all right. Yeah, the yeah, fuck? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. You know what it is? I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the quick setup. It's like, you know, it's a uh, it's like a little a, a first year anniversary party with three couples. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all having a good time. And they're uh, smoking weed and drinking and telling stories. It ruins the evening. Wait, what <laughs> ruins the evening? I lost you just as you said somebody ruins the evening. Quite the cliffhanger. Somebody shares something that ruins the evening. Oh. Like there's a secret. A friend gets drunk and decides it's a good idea to share with his wife of a year oh, the story man. that he's never told her. But what it does is the story alters this whole other like uh, reality that he had set up with. It. So it's like it's just like a lie that was buried and um uh-huh. you know and it's just very real and there's people drinking and getting getting so, high. But, so can uh, I just jump in so like ruining dinner parties in real life wasn't enough for you? You had to go <laughs> you, had, you, you had to go ruin a well, fake no. one too. Well, they say right what you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dean Imperial a mixtures guy if ever there was one. No, that's cool. I'm excited people but but I want to say this. I saw it was posted on Facebook. And yeah, people, yeah. it seemed to be very well received, is what I was going to say. So it was well received. I don't want to give. I, you know, there's something in it. I don't want to give away, which is like, yeah. So when people, but yeah, say, no, it was extremely well received. It was actually very, very happy. Come on, look at you. Out. Making goddamn moves is what you're doing. You're a there big you deal. It's, you know what I'm saying? That's great. Um, l- listen, man, we're all over the map today. I promised the fans we were going to talk about the Joker, so we'll get there in a minute. But okay. did you see any of the footage? I don't know if you saw this. The Washington Nationals went to the White House yesterday. I was actually really happy yeah. about that. I want yeah. athletes to hang out with the president, no matter who the president is, because I like when America yeah. has those days where there are like certain benchmarks in the year that we can all just agree are going to be a thing and we don't have to politicize them. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, I was into that. That was a, a Kurt Suzuki, their catcher, put on a MAGA hat. He'll probably be canceled. Yeah, He'll probably be canceled from baseball now. They've <laughs> probably burnt down his house. They're no. going through his children's tweets to get them yeah. kicked out of school. But I appreciate the attempt at unity. And, and let's be very clear. He wasn't exactly treated well by the Nationals, uh, not necessarily the team, but the fans are all, you know, lifelong D.C. Right. people who booed the shit out of him when he went to the World Series last oh, week. That was crazy. Yeah. Now that we had this UFC follow up where some people maintain he got booed. A lot of sites wrote that he got booed. And then there were a lot of sites pushing back, saying it was like a mixture 
Uh, you know, that one sounded like a mixed bag. It certainly didn't sound positive. I was also here. Yeah, why was yeah. he at a UFCA thing anyway? That, he's good that friends really with. He's good friends with Dana White, the yeah, guy Dana who White. actually is right. running the UFC. Oh, um, okay. sings Trump's praises all the time because when they were trying to get licensed to fight in New York and Trump was a boxing promoter, he helped them get on their feet <laughs> and kind of built... I know, nuts. it is crazy. When he was a boxing that's most, promoter... That's the most definitive thing about the Trump presidency. It's the it, you, you know it's the first time a president has ever attended a UFC fight. Oh, absolutely. It's the first time a president was a boxing promoter. It's the first time a president <laughs> fought in WrestleMania. Uh, right. Probably not the first time a president paid off a stripper if we're being perfectly honest with you there were a couple yeah i know uh somebody at kennedy last night was talking about how he hasn't have a pet in the white house at least the first time we haven't had a pet in the white house and i was like bill clinton and somebody yelled out on the dobbs team they go well he had a few penthouse pets which i thought was a solid joke you know for a civilian earshot passerby joke i thought was pretty good yeah sure but uh yeah a lot of firsts a lot of firsts in the trump presidency but i was happy this went on i like because when i was a little kid when you won the Super Bowl, you'd get a phone call from the president in the locker room. I remember the Raiders won. Tom Flores was the coach of the Raiders, and Ronald Reagan was on the phone. And it was like a big deal. And you didn't yeah. like you didn't waste this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to talk to the president of the United States because you wanted to appease these other people who you were never going to meet, who you didn't really give a shit about deep down. Like, it wasn't a branding exercise. It was America no. was the brand, and we put our differences aside when it was time to celebrate America. And I think that's a little bit of the problem we're running into now is that, uh, you know, we don't have one country. We have 360 million individual countries, you know, all kind of yeah. battling their, in their own little one-man news network to be cool and relevant. So I was glad the Nats did what they did. That being said, he is going to an LSU-Alabama football game this weekend now, he just announced. He's becoming, oh, he he's becoming the sports president, which isn't a bad move, Dean, because well, sport- Because he's got to go to a crowd that's going to cheer him. Yes, in LSU, Alabama, that's pretty yeah. much, you know, Louisiana, Alabama. That's kind of Absolutely. a wheelhouse for Trump support. And yeah. So they're expecting him to do well down there. So he's basically going to he's gonna keep showing up to games till somebody cheers. Until, <laughs> I, I, no, I actually think that's true. I actually think that's accurate. That's, that's why I said that. I think that's the truth. He's got to get one of those in. Well, hopefully he behaves because the last time he went to a football game is actually really funny. Well, he went to the national championship game when Georgia played Alabama like two years ago and uh, got a really good reception from the, t- the fans there in Georgia. And that was a state that yeah. went for him pretty well uh, in 2016. But he famously, when he was the president-elect, went to the Army-Navy game. He was in the broadcast booth, and uh, he famously goes, well, if we're being honest, these aren't the best football players in the world. <laughs> Get him out of here. Yeah, that's great. I never heard that. Yeah, he goes, ah, if we're being honest, they're not the best. We know. We appreciate their service. They're not the best players in the world. (laughs) (laughs) It was just, you know, it was amazing, you know. What the hell did you say? And everybody was just like, wait, what? That's a good clip. It's a good clip. So the point is, you know, a guy has a little bit of a penchant for speaking off the cuff, if you will. Yeah, Uh, yeah. But he seems to have, (laughs) he seems to have found his niche. Town Hall has an article today. That says an overwhelming amount of athletes support the president, which is true. Like in the NFL, he has massive support, mostly amongst like white hunting, gun owning athletes. Major League Baseball, he has widespread support, oddly enough, in the Latino community, because people who immigrated here legally 
are very staunch supporters of legal immigration and speak out against right. you know issues of border security and stuff like that. And obviously, why I'm sure white players in baseball too. But uh, he is finding a little bit of a niche heading into 2020, which I only bring up. I know we have to do the Joker, and it's not supposed to be a big political show today. But that New York uh, Times polling that's out right now about the swing states, yeah, is I saw. Oh my God! Like he's I know <laughs> he's going to win, which is crazy because for all the talk we keep getting about national polls. National polls don't actually matter because it's a state-by-state state race. And yeah. in all the key battleground states, we're talking about Pennsylvania, talking about Wisconsin, talking about Michigan, he's still winning these states despite yes. losing in national yes. polls. And he's right. he's never going to win in national polls. Sean and I were talking about this yesterday because there's so much social pressure not to vote for him that his presidency is like porn. You know, everybody does it, but no one admits, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, but in these individual states where he won in the past, he's actually looking really good, which freaks me out because I always tell not that it freaks me out, but it surprises me. Is that fair to say? Are you well, surprised? Is, Go ahead. Yeah. But the truth is, like, if you look at the, the if you were to look at the state by state polls, uh, you know, four years ago uh-huh. or three and a half years ago and saw how he was faring, he was losing every single one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So. So when you look at them now, I mean, I don't know that these polls are all of a sudden accurate. Mm-hmm. But you know what else I love? Because you don't know. I mean, it says the Biden poll is within oh, the margin of error. Yeah, he got yeah. what I'm saying. He could actually be ahead. Um, That's what I think. But, but what was interesting in the polls is, you know, people want Hillary Clinton to run so bad. So yeah. both Fox and Harvard did their own polls on how she would do in a hypothetical matchup because they're trying to goad her into running, basically. And, you oh, know, really? she wants to run, so I'm sure she's doing her own polling. But she the Harvard-Harris poll has her tied with Biden and the Fox poll has her two points behind Trump. So she's right in it and she's not even in the campaign yet. So could this be the moment when Roy Munson gets the bowl again? Do you see it coming? Yeah. And I could so see her like really strategically looking at it and saying like, she wouldn't want to have had to do, uh, you know, the last year's worth of, of, of campaigning and work. Yep. Like, why should she have to? No, of course not. And she's already ran through all of this. And I think she wants to get in as late as humanly possible just to minimize yep. her exposure on the trail. Um, yeah. But we have been, and I always, I bring this up to pretty much everybody who comes on the show. We have been steadfast that she was running again every single day since she lost in 2016. Yeah, no, I know. And you've been saying it from, you, you've been every saying it for, for as long as that we've been, yeah. And, and I've had a uh, hundred political advisors come on here, five of which that have worked for her. They're like, oh, you're out of your mind. She's not running, which is what they said in 2016 when she wasn't running, which is what they said in 2008. She always says she's not running. Always. And then she runs. Yes. Come on, man. So I listen, I wanted to run for the good of the show. As guys who just consume this as balls and strikes, who don't really care one way or the other, we just yeah. want the best show. That is the best yeah. show. There's no That's question the about show. it. The best show is is her getting into the race. I'm Hillary Absolutely. Clinton, and I approve Absolutely. this message. And you know her man wants her out of that house, man. He wants oh, her out. Oh, God, in his, in his finest golden, his golden, golden years. Yeah, man. This is his, yeah, because that's what I'm saying. He's in his last window of banging. You know, you get into that age. 
It's his last window period. Yeah, I mean, that's all he's got. Bill Clinton is turning. He's in the Alan Arkin now in Little Miss Sunshine. Where he's yes. Like, Fuck yes. a lot of women, Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just one. A lot. Now, would he be the first man? Is that what you call it? Yeah, he'd be the first man, Sean. Be flying around the world, meeting first, first ladies yeah. and stuff what like that. And, oh, would be the man for the last year's oh, of your, uh, life. That's, oh, that's something. It yeah. would be a home run. Uh, and I want to yeah. see it happen. I am rooting for it is, is all I will say. And I will gladly tell all of you I told you so when it finally happens. Uh, and, and because everybody's, no, you don't understand. You can't. This is the thing. The presidency is a disease that is only curable by death. That's not my saying. Yeah. It's been around forever. And, um, you know, people who run for president and lose die wanting to be president more than anything else on earth. Like, if you look at Mitt Romney and how much he, it's burnt his balls that Trump is president and he's running shouted, shadow Twitter accounts to undermine Trump. You know, yep. poor, poor John McCain, who was treated horribly by the media until he became an anti-Trump critic in his final days. And then yes. they were like, oh, we need more John McCain's. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Meaning the guy you called a Nazi and a Klansman? We need more yeah. of them now because he had suddenly become anti-Trump. But he devoted a lot of his final time on Earth, and I wouldn't tell anybody how to live their life, uh, but he devoted a lot of his final time on Earth to bashing the president, which I didn't think did. was the best allocation of time. But again, I'm not a life expert. Uh, if I was, I wouldn't be segueing into a story about bringing my 10-year-old kid to see the Joker right now. But that's yeah. where we are, Dean Imperial. Here we go. So Lincoln's first rated R movie. It was this past Saturday. I know you and I had talked about it. So yes, I started here. You had talked. You had started out by saying it was a shit movie. So you don't sanction me bringing him just on the merits of it being a shit movie. Now I will start there with you. It was a shit movie. You did get that right. Even me, Lincoln, and my brother Mike, stuntman Mike, went uh, this past Saturday. Yeah. There. The problem I have with the movie is they're like, yeah, Chronicles is descent into madness, but it actually doesn't because no. he's the same guy at the beginning of the film it's, that he is at the end. That's exactly what I said. It's one note over and over and over again. I'm like, what? I don't understand. Like, I don't see anything changing. No, there was no, there, there was like, okay, so he starts to act on, I guess, what his bad impulses are, but they also yeah, pull but like an M. Night Shyamalan where halfway through, spoiler alert to everybody, they start to tell you he was imagining the beginning of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like he wasn't yeah. really dating the neighbor, the black woman. I know. And all of that jazz. There's one redeeming scene in the whole movie when the two clowns come to visit him and he kills the fat clown and the midget clown can't get out the door. He lets him go, but he can't reach the lock, which I know is not yeah. polite to say. I don't know if you're still in the theater for that. But uh, that went on. I was there. I saw. I watched it. I saw. That was like the one. Yeah, that was the one redeeming thing. He helps the uh, little guy out of. Yeah, the, Lincoln uh, got a good laugh out of. Lincoln got a good laugh out of that. And Lincoln did applaud at the end of the movie because I he think did. he liked the insanity of the program. You know what I mean? Because a lot of cursing and craziness and stuff like that. Sure. But I really feel like Hollywood gets away with this idea of selling us on the idea of something that's cool that people buy in until you're sitting there watching it. Like, this movie was sold to us as, like, this really depraved journey. Joaquin Phoenix had to really go somewhere else to inhabit this character, and he didn't feel safe yeah. at times. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucked for your acting. You're putting on makeup and playing pretend. Yeah. But that's the easiest thing in the world, though, is one, when you get to wear makeup like that, and two, yeah. when you get to act insane. Acting insane is the easiest acting you can do. Mm-hmm. 
Why? Because I mean, because you can let go, and the director will just take your best moments, you know. So you're just acting like a lunatic all the time. And Joaquin Phoenix is an outstanding actor; he really is. He's a terrific actor. However, mm. in this movie, I mean, even the stuff where he has the whole idea that he has an involuntary laugh issue, which yeah. is a real condition, right? Uh-huh. But I don't want the guy. I don't the the, the, the whole. A concept behind the Joker is that he's laughing at things he's not supposed to laugh at. Yeah. Not that he can't help himself. I know. Well, not that it's some kind of thing where he laughs uncontrollably. So this is he's my supposed to laugh at his horrible deeds. Yeah. So this is my problem with the movie. They basically make they're like, all right, we've got this villain. He's the worst guy alive, but it's not his fault. Right. It's like, so are we rooting for him? Are we rooting against him? Like they couldn't no. quite make up their mind. It reminded me yeah. a lot of that first shitty Spider-Man I watched where Willem Dafoe plays the villain against Tobey Maguire. The Green Goblin. Yeah, the Goblin, yeah. right. Who, Tobey yeah. Maguire, an adorable Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like you could, those weren't, those were Spidey pajamas with the zipper and the feeties. Yeah. That wasn't an actual, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't an actual costume. That was just a little kid who refused to go to bed and <laughs> he wound right. up mixing it up with the Green Goblin. But in that one, the Green Goblin doesn't want to be a bad guy. He's just like no. sucked into being a bad guy. And I think right. like some of these comic book movies need to just commit. Like, uh, you know, I've only watched a few of them, but you got to commit. If he's the worst guy on earth, just make him the worst guy on earth. Don't make him the sympathetic worst guy on earth. Be- no, it takes away from it all. It's like in the Jack Nicholson's The Joker, I think was yeah. the best one. Yeah, there's nothing close you- to it. Yeah, because he was a villain to start with, and then he became a worse villain after he fell into the bad acid or whatever the hell it was. But, I mean, he was already a bad guy. Uh-huh. That's the whole point. Yeah. He was already a bad guy. And he, but he had a charm to him in that he was funny and he had the gravitas. You know, And he laughed at the terrible things he did. That's yes. what makes the Joker a maniacal lunatic. Yeah. He, he does something hard. He kills somebody, and then he laughs his ass off. As opposed like, that's, to, that's what the charm of the Joker. As opposed to this frustrated open mic comic. Who, to be fair, I know they played him. He was he came off as more stable than most open mic comics I know. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. You and I over the years have known so many open mic comics, just regular comics, uh-huh. who be such better, scarier jokers. That's what I mean. Yeah, that were way more unhinged. Right. And the worst relationships with their moms. <laughs> I mean, I could name five uh, comics who probably <laughs> killed their moms. Easy, right here on the air. Just like he does in the movie. I mean, it's bananas. I know. But, uh, you know, it's it's like it was a concept that I think it's very saleable because there's this built-in demand for the Joker because of Heath Ledger. Yeah. And people like Joaquin Phoenix, he does a lot of weird, like... Uh, you know, I, you know when he did that famously did that thing on Letterman. He does. He likes yes, to like troll and that. do the weird shit. So I yeah. saw the market for it, but I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, the only thing yeah. I really did like is I know Lincoln got a kick out of seeing such like depravity, and uh, that was good for the Link man. You know, can't sure. all be sunshine and lollipops. We got to scare him straight a little bit. Yeah. Although, you know, and I, I'm hoping that scared him out of want of doing stand-up comedy, if anything. Um, <laughs> and then, like, the scene at the end with De Niro, right? It's I like know. there's just so many uneven things about this movie. And what I mean by I that is it's like, so De Niro, they're essentially having him on the show to make fun of him. Which makes no sense. Yeah, which is like, which they would never do. No. You know, yeah, we're we're gonna bring this guy on to shit on him because he was like, you oh. know, tape surface where he's laughing and 
It was like somebody was taping his set at the oh, at the, at the comedy club and uh-huh. sent it in, and they were making fun of it. Like that, I mean, it's just it's there's, that never has happened. That never will happen. It's just dumb. So, but my question dumb. was, is he imagining all of that at the end? Did they M Night Shyamalan the end of the movie? That was my question for you, or I, or are we to believe that so. really happened? No, and I guessed already. I turned to Tessa uh, when we were in the screening, and I said, "Oh, he's imagining. He's imagining the girl." Yeah, because that's that was the most obvious thing in the in the world to me. But they spent the time uh-huh. to show you that he was imagining that. Yeah, and they didn't do that for the other the rest oh. of the movie. So you could fear, you could theorize that he was, but uh-huh. because they spent the screen time to reveal that he was imagining that. Uh-huh. Like, I think that's all they intended you to think he was imagining. Okay. That he was having this relationship with this girl, but he was really, like, stalking her. Uh-huh. And then he shows up and her. Well, all that stuff. Right? That's what I think. Because at the end, I, unless there was something that I missed or I checked out, I don't remember them showing you that he was imagining anything else. Okay. And they didn't, um, they didn't play, like, don't stop believing at the end. Before no, he blacks no, they out. Didn't, they didn't pull, like, a Sopranos finale. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see when this... A uh, whole comic book bubble, if it ever bursts, because like some of these sequels, like the the Terminator sequel this weekend, tanked twenty nine yeah, million on one hundred and eighty five million, and if you don't yeah. make most of it the first weekend, you ain't making it, baby. No, you ain't making it. No, you ain't making it. Um, oddly enough, Fox News commentary. You know, I do like one minute commentaries on the radio. Yes. Uh, Hank Weinblum is a good guy as you're going to meet. He's the editor. I did a one minute on this and he let me keep in the following line. It's a throwaway line, but I said Arnold should stick to doing what he does best, the maid. And oh. uh, I, but I give them a lot of credit for keeping that in there. They deserve, hold on, a round of applause on the show. Wow. Because that's not, you know, that's a little aggressive. A little it's very aggressive. aggressive and good for you for coming up with the line. Well, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a throwaway. But my point was yeah. I was proud of them for keeping it uh, only because, you know, in this day and age, I think we've gotten to this place with jokes where Epstein jokes would be a good example. I'm going to ask you about this in a second. Yeah. Like I've been censored in certain mediums where we can't make a joke about Epstein. I'm like, so, so I'm the bad guy for making fun of the guy who had sex with a bunch of these underage girls is what you're telling me. You're the bad guy. We need to look out for this Epstein character. You know, the guy who procured a harem of underage women. For, you know, heads of state and and British royals and stuff like that. He's the he's the protected class here. Like, I feel like people are editing comedy not based on right or wrong, but because sometimes they just want to avoid the hassle. But that's where you need to push back, because that's how you actually get censored and lose your rights to speech is when you start giving in just to avoid the hassle. That's how they get you, as they say. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even know why sometimes that they're they're saying they're censoring or they're saying don't talk about that. Usually it's because it's a, a subject where somewhere in the perimeter of it there's something that could be offensive. Yeah. It's like in the, in the Jeffrey Epstein thing it's like it's the subject matter of what he did is not you shouldn't laugh at it at all. Yeah. Like, just because of not because you can make fun of him but it's like the, the whole idea of it. So people don't really think about like the specifics and just think like, Oh God, it just feels like a landmine. But I agree. But I feel like we've gotten to this point where we're encouraging people to give words too much power over their lives. You oh, know, well, I agree with that. Absolutely. It's just no, crazy. It's like, it. cause no, I know, yeah. but your point is true. It's that there's now this level of offense now where it's like, you didn't tell an offensive joke, but you were laughing in proximity of yes. something that we consider to be bad. 
And I've had that specifically, all of these things I'm talking to you about are on the radio side, how you know I write um, for A-List Comedy, which is a prep service that gives topical humor to 200 radio stations a day. Well, the editorial guideline there sometimes is like, you can't just don't laugh within 50 feet of this subject, even if the joke isn't about the subject. Which I know, but to me, I, I really feel like we're harming people by doing that because we're, you know, the thing about comedy is it's supposed to be unpredictable. It's a trap door. And in order for a joke to work, the audience needs to be standing exactly where the trap door is on the floor so it can open and they can fall through it. But when you narrow down the parameters of comedy, you know, there's there's no element of surprise in terms of the trap door. They have they're just standing in the middle of the room at all times. Well, you're essentially writing a rule rule book of what's what's okay, what's funny, what's allowed to be funny. And it limits the latitude of comedy. You're losing that spontaneity and that element of surprise. So I I would like to see. A little pushback, and when you hear me, I think there should be a lot of pushback at this because point. Because I think that comedians are the people you look to to tell you what's okay. Because it's because laughing at something is the best way to put it in perspective, and it's how we get over things. Oh yeah, that, and I think that that in the zeitgeist, the comedian is the one who tells you like this is ridiculous. Oh, absolutely, you can laugh at it, and and I think it reverberates. They might they're probably ahead of their time. But after a while, if a comedian is able to joke about something in a few years, everyone's able to joke about it. And it's not as big a deal anymore. Yep. Long after that comedian's been canceled, fired from his job, the rest of us are going to totally. be we're going to be laughing at Roseanne jokes in two years. We are. You're right. Like, you're 100 percent right. And um, it's funny. Like, I feel like the Democratic Party, they they've lost comedy. And what I mean by that is the comedians are not becoming Republicans. They're just not because it's too detrimental to their well-being in Hollywood and in TV. But a, right. a good percentage of them are certainly openly flouting free, you know, the free speech police now and yeah. uh, the cancel culture just because they finally have woken up to just how big of a threat it is to their existence. You know, yes. When you take things off the table is like the bottom one is either everything's offensive or nothing's offensive. And we know yeah. comedy can't exist if everything's offensive. So we're supposed to dial it back to nothing's offensive. And yeah. you're supposed to have the right as a consumer to not consume it. And if you like yeah, stuff, yeah, and that and that's like an in-between. It's like we got to this place where we need a one-size-fits-all society, and it's really just fucking everybody over. And that's where I yeah. blame digital life, because in digital life, the rules are very strict, and we're all expected to conform to this code of conduct. But the reality is we don't all want to. And nor do right. I want I, – I say this all the time. I'm almost pro-racism in a sense that I know there are people out there who hate white white people. I want them to be open about it. I don't want to not know who they are. So I wandered down the wrong part of town, get my ass handed to me. You know, yeah, right. I, I kind of want to know what's out there is all I'm trying to say. A uh, <laughs> yeah. couple more quick things before I let you go, Dean Imperial. I got to go. Yeah, yeah. I got to go do America's newsroom, assuming they're not. Listening. I know tomorrow. Assuming right? they're not. 11, well, that's uh, it's now it's this. Yeah, this afternoon, 1140. But it's assuming they're not uh, listening to this interview. I have to go do America's newsroom. Yeah. <laughs> 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 No, we moved it from Wednesday to Tuesday, by the way. It was going to be Monday, then it was going to be Wednesday, then it was like if a train leaves Chicago at the same time a yeah, car yeah. pulls out of Philadelphia. How many watermelons? So it's uh, today, Tuesday, yeah, 1130 in the morning. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Our pal, uh, Charles McBee, is on the show Monday. Yes, love him. And uh, yeah, shout out to McBee. He has been uh, keeping up, at, at my behest anyway, with these Kanye West religious revivals, these Sunday services he's throwing. So Yeezy, who had 6,000 people attend his latest rally on Sunday, uh, has just received news that Jesus is King, his newest album, 
is number one on the Billboard charts. It's his ninth straight number one album on Billboard. And yeah. there was a lot of concern that, hey, him going the gospel route might turn a lot of people off, but it's actually wow. outsold his last three albums combined. Wow. This is a... I think it's a cultural force and that the guy's openly questioning liberal orthodoxy. And I don't know that it's caught on and it's going to move the needle in 2020, but it's definitely, I believe, going to spark conversations. Well, well, I'll tell you this. My first thought was it's an incredibly smart um, move business-wise because that is a huge audience and a devoted audience mm-hmm. um and it's bigger than the other audience yes uh and and uh, that's why mel gibson's passion of the christ yep. uh, uh made a billion dollars because nice. if you if you make a film like that um that that brings that audience out uh, in those numbers mm-hmm. especially for you know repeat viewing uh, yep. uh possibly but but that 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 he ta- he just tapped into an audience that might have previously not bought an album of his Wow. Uh, you know, yes. And and I think that it was a very smart move. He just he just unlocked this whole other audience. Wow. Yeezy might making dough. He said he got a sixty eight million dollar tax refund this year. Sixty. Wow. I know. So they're making some big shit. I had a good one. Oh, geez. <laughs> hey, you brilliant, know, man. that's funny. That's brilliant. You uh, can't yeah, even hate on him. For yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, sixty eight million dollar refund. Yeah. Which means he pocketed like two hundred million on the year or something. Bananas like that. Yeah. So the duty he's doing OK. McBee says these people are showing up to these rallies because it's just the cult of celebrity. But I'm actually I believe and I could be wrong. But I believe when you're reaching as many people as you are, and he has become a very message-conscious guy, I think it's going to upset the apple cart in ways people don't fathom. And again, I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. But I just think, is there anything funnier than if the 2020 election is swung by Kim Kardashian and her husband? I mean, we're we're at that place in time now. If Donald Trump can be president, Kim Kardashian can swing an election. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. You know, Absolutely, yeah. it'd be it'd be it'd be funny to watch. Is all I'm trying to say. Because have point, you heard the album? Yeah, it's fantastic. We actually, oddly enough, Monday night last night on Kennedy, um, because she's heard the whole album, and there's a couple of bangers. One of the songs is about Chick Fil A, and uh, <laughs> we for real uh, closed on Sunday. You're my Chick Fil A. She demanded that I play it in the green room for the other guests. And we had Yeezy was our pre-show feature last night. We rocked out to like 12 different Kanye West songs. Really? On the a. Of course. She loves that shit. So then, some of the songs are about like things like Chick-fil-A. So it's not all about Jesus. It is. There's a Jesus in everything. Because remember, Jesus, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday because of the, the Lord's Day. Because sure. the founder uh, of Chick-fil-A wanted people to go to church, stuff like day that. With their family, day rest. But uh, but no, no. There are, there are, I by my estimation, in 10 songs, I believe, Four of them are bangers, like actual great songs. And then there's, you know, five or six that get lost in the shuffle of their good gospel songs, but they're not like you're going to be your go-tos. You're not going to work out to them. It's not the yeah. song Black Skinheads from the Yeezus album, you know? Yeah. It's not No More Parties in L.A. from The Life of Pablo, but it's a great. There, there's some great songs on there. And, uh, no, she likes it, and apparently Americans do too. Yeezus. Yeezy season, Dean Imperial. He's going to swing the election. It would be the funniest thing that ever happened. <laughs> I know. He gets a, he gets a, and he could get a cabinet position because everybody else is going to jail. Like they're going to need, they, they need depth well, on the roster. You know, well, all he has to do, all he has to do is move about six points of the black vote in Trump's direction. Oh, and then he wins 50 states. Could yeah. you imagine that? I mean, that would be bananas, but it could happen. But that's what you're looking at. That's what you're probably looking at specifically, though, you know. Oh, man. Could you imagine Kanye? 
to the White House, given Kanye becomes the well, press I secretary. Seen it. <laughs> he, I know he actually has been there, but imagine, he's now the White House press secretary. Shut up. You know, just talking to people. Oh, you mean he has a cabinet position, right? Yeah, right, I'm, right. I'm into that. I want to see it happen. I'm Listen, at this point, like I am just rooting for maximum chaos the rest of the way. Because yeah. we've always been told it was chaos. We've always been told... The Republican candidate was out of his mind crazy. The Nazis, a white supremacist. You know, we've always been told all of those things. So I like that at least Trump comes along and gives them a little bang for their buck. I'm not calling him a yeah, Nazi or a white supremacist, true. but I like that he's flown as far off the handle as he's wont to do from time to time because at least he's earning some of the bile, you know? I'm tired of the unearned bile. It's like I hated when people started losing their jobs for innocuous jokes on Twitter. At least now people yeah. are getting fired for offensive stuff again. If you get a fire, you don't get your money's worth is right. what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's our campaign platform for 2020. <laughs> get your money's <laughs> worth. Get out there, pop somebody, tell an off-color joke, get run out of town. Uh, hey, man, congrats on the play. Good movie Thanks. review on the Joker. Sean has been holding his ear the whole time because apparently yeah. we dropped a few spoilers. Sorry. But the Joker isn't oh, the kind of no. movie where you have to care. <laughs> it's a goddamn yeah, comic book on. movie, Sean. I'll be all right. He's, he's beat up about <laughs> it. Fine. Get him a Mictus. <laughs> get him a Mictus. Tell him to shut up. Dean Imperial, everybody. I'll talk to you later. I'll give you a shout out on the news. All right, sounds good. See you, buddy. Thanks. There it goes. Dean Imperial. Yeah. Best of the best. So much fun today. I hire the best people, Sean Barry. Oh, I know. I hire the best people. I do owe him a shout-out today on America's Newsroom. Uh, We'll do some quick headlines when we come back, and we'll wrap this fucker up. in presidential history. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's ass. There it is. We bleeped out the word ass, but I believe I've cursed five times on the show today. Oh. You can't feed a guy a Michter's at 7 o'clock in the morning. Can we just get that out of the way, whoever's programming this show? Come on, of course you can. We have this ritual where, you know, we make the one Michter's drink. I mean, Jenny actually mixes one on the air on the Friday Wife Privilege episode. Right. But it's been superstition since day one that we'll have a Michter's. We'll have like a pre-show, post-show Michter's. But some of these start times are getting earlier and earlier to accommodate my TV schedule. I feel like a dirty little girl right now. No, you're doing your job. Seven in the morning. So? Drinking a Kentucky straight rye whiskey. Just the one. Doesn't make you a bad person. Nah, it doesn't. It's a shout out to Mictors. Best product made by the best people. Uh, we have a lunch on Wednesday. Be hanging out with the Mictors cats. Fantastic. Get to the bottom of this. Probably going to grab me by my ears, smack me a few times. <laughs> like, enough's enough, fat boy. <laughs> enough's enough. We'll see. Uh, a couple of quick headlines. Shawnee Barry, and we can call this a day. Mm-hmm. 
The official uh, the official tally was fifty thousand people for the New York City Marathon. Wow, fifty thousand. I don't know how they arrive at that number because, like, in the De Blasio New York, how do you tell the difference between who's running a marathon and who's just running? Well, it's you just, know, there's a yeah. lot of chaos out there in these streets right now. Well, fifty thousand. Uh, what actual runners or people like uh, they're saying on? runners? They're saying people well, that went for it. Well, it's a big thing. Like, if you want to run in the in the New York Marathon, you have to be like pre qualified. You have to have run. Qualify. You have to run like at least other marathons or qualifying races that allow you to enter this race so everyone gets a number it's very uh-huh. it's very and i think you even get like a, like a little like gps chip on you so they yes. can they can actually accurately uh, figure out your time right when you start to when you finish because uh-huh. obviously people are starting way in the back yep so somebody's sure. telling me the other day thanks to de blasio it's the uh it's the only marathon where they fire the starter pistol in self-defense <laughs> get away from me <laughs> leave me alone you know it's hot out there in these streets uh, Anthony Scaramucci, the mm-hmm. mooch, mm-hmm. fellow I've met on Kennedy a bunch, met him around Fox News a bunch, now calling Trump a cult leader, predicting that Republican lawmakers will pressure him out of office before 2020. Mm. Now, let me tell you where the mooch is coming at this from. He's realized his shelf life of relevance is useless being pro-Trump because he was fired in 11 days. Mm-hmm. There's only so much dirt you can dish on an administration you're not a part of anymore. He doesn't have the contacts. So he's gone heel the other way. He's pulled an Ann Coulter, where people who famously supported Trump realize, you know, there might be more relevance in bashing him. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the mooch is in the mooch business. Ann Coulter is in the Ann Coulter business. Right. Just the same as Trump is in the Trump business. Yeah. I'm not absolving him. But the mooch is going the other way now and saying they're going to, like, invoke the 25th Amendment and run the guy out of office, and he's crazy. The only problem with that is they're going to replace him with a guy, Joe Biden, who doesn't know what state he's in. So it's hard for that to hold up. You know, <laughs> you got this handsy grandpa calling you by the wrong name. If you're going to grope us, at least get our names right. You know what I mean, grandpa? But the mooch says Trump is off the ticket. I say the mooch is just trying to get some attention. He knows what he's talking about. True story. No, if you saw this one. Uh, I don't know if you did, you did. If you didn't, you didn't. Uh, but we was talking about this. Today is Roger Stone's, the beginning of his trial in Washington, D.C. All right. Trump advisor Roger Stone. with the, about him. He of the, I know, he, I haven't watched any of the trials. I'm waiting for the box set to come out. You know, there's going to be so many <laughs> right. at this point. The Manafort, the Stone, the Flint. They've all had him. Right. You know, the Rudy's coming. Rudy's with his Ukrainian dirtbag pals, oh, yeah. whatever the hell they did. I don't, God, I don't even know. So strange with Rudy, too. Didn't he bring down, like, the New York mob? mafia? Yeah, it's so, so weird. He's on dude, the other side of it now. Dude, he was one of the <laughs> one of the companies he was uh, dealing with in Ukraine was called Mafia Rave. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So True story. People, True story. The other one was called Fraud Guarantee. <laughs> These were shell companies that he was dealing. These people were doing business with in Ukraine that he was associated with, having lunch with in broad daylight at the Trump International Hotel in Washington D.C., playing real loose ball. I guess so. You know, if this is the movie Casino, we're in that scene now where Joe Pesci's getting sloppy, beating people up. Yeah. You know, De Niro's like, eventually Nikki couldn't get him down with one punch anymore. You know what I mean? And that's where eventually Rudy couldn't get him corrupt with one lunch anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and now they started eating lunch out in the open at the Trump Tower, and it wasn't good. But Roger Stone, um, famous uh, for being a sartorial wizard, likes to dress fancy and mm. funky fresh, got his Richard Nixon tattoo on his back. He's <laughs> been a cagey political operative for the better part of 40 years. He and Paul Manafort famously started a essentially a lobbying firm uh, in the 80s where they openly, brazenly admitted to just catering to the lowest bo- common denominator. 
Mm-hmm. They're like all these shitty politicians do, you know, black ops communications teams that do all this dirt anyway. We're just going to do it out in the open, which I admire. We were talking yesterday about leading flaw first. Le- Remember you were saying, like, if Hillary's really killed people, she should say that? Because right. as a percentage of us, that would be like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> I mean, why not? I guess we'll just vote for her. I mean, I don't know. She's a nasty woman, you know? And uh, I don't know. That's what they did for a while. Roger Stone and Paul Manafort were, you know, openly in the 80s marketing themselves as like, hey, we'll do the dirty work, which uh, probably a great strategy, but it has a very limited shelf life because right. eventually you get some prosecutors who come to town gonna catch up to you. who don't necessarily like your way of doing things. You know, next thing you know, you're doing a little bit of time. You know what I'm saying? So here we are. Best of luck to Roger Stone today. That's going to be a spectacle because he gets his money's worth. He's on our show a few times. And uh, we was on Kennedy, and she's interviewing him, and he immediately just starts plugging his defense fund. <laughs> it's like, donate to my defense fund. I don't have any money, which is probably not telling the truth, uh, but whether he is or he isn't. We wish everybody the best of luck on this show. We don't we have any malice or ill will towards anybody, Sean Barry. It's an all-inclusive. And one more for the road as we go. You don't want to leave on such a serious note. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's very serious. Let's lighten the mood a little. <laughs> no? Are you ready for this? I am. I can't wait. This is the mood lightener we're closing on? Yeah. Because then I can only do the one story. Because we had so many stories to do today. We got, you know, all the stories that we have today. We had the Joker killing people. You got to pick one. (laughs) So a man was killed over the Popeye's chicken sandwich. (laughs) I didn't want to do this story. Come on, we all saw it coming. I didn't want to do this story. But it's like, uh, this is just a terrible story. But it happened in Maryland Monday night. This big craze because the Popeye's chicken sandwich came back on Sunday. And everybody's all excited about it. So wait, it was this big craze, big fad, and then they took it they ran the market? Out. Yeah, they ran out of chicken sandwiches. Come on. And now it was gone for basically two months. Now it's back. Have basically, you had it? Uh, have I had it? No. But for all intents and purposes, it's Popeye's chicken tenders on a bun. I haven't supposed to, It's a one piece. It's supposed to look like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I don't doubt that it's good because they salt everything and spice it. Yeah. And it's wonderful. But at the end of the day, you idiots, it's fast food. Right. The best fast food in the world is still fast food. Agreed. You know? It's a $3 prostitute. The best $3 prostitute in the world is still, like, not the best, you know what I mean? It's still a $3 prostitute. Yeah, you know what I mean? I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. And the point is, you don't need to, like, get yourself killed. You don't need to get into a violent fight. You don't need to wait in line for two hours. It's bullshit. Yeah. Like, we're deifying all these stupid things because life has just gotten so good here that we have nothing better to do than stab each other over chicken sandwiches. Well, that's why I asked you if you'd tried it, because obviously you haven't wasted your time with it. I, I'm, no, I'm the same way. Food. I haven't tried it either. Listen, any fast food, I'm sure it's great. It's not wait in line an hour great. It's no. not get stabbed great. Shake Shack is a wonderful place. Is it wait in line 20 minutes good? No. no. And people wait in line for two hours. No. Get a fucking life. How about that? <laughs> Don't get a chicken sandwich. Get a fucking life. Stop being governed by internet fads. How about go- I want my currency, my digital dopamine. People need to see me with this sandwich. Go buy some uh, nice quality meat. Your local there you grocer, go you know? and make something nice. Make something nice for you to learn something. There learn it is. Cook. Sean Barry closing yeah. it on a positive note. Do oh. you, boo. The show's over. Check me out on America's Newsroom. Assuming they didn't hear this broadcast, I'll be on at 1140 today. Watch Kennedy tomorrow night. The show is over. Get out.
Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.